0: From Church of the Highlands in San Bruno and online at highlands.us, welcome to Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. We have a lot of ground to cover today, so we'll jump right into it. We're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, spiritual gifts. The gift of apostleship is where we're at today. We begin with an illustration of how Scripture uses three terms to describe one man. And then we'll go on to talk about a woman's role in leadership. A lot of ground to cover. Let's get right to it. Here's Pastor Layton with today's broadcast of Study Verse by Verse. In First Peter, the Apostle Peter writes,
1: To the elders, I say, be shepherds of God's flock serving as overseers. Now, the Apostle Peter is talking to the same people. He's not talking to three different people. And he says, to the elders, presbyteros, I say, be shepherds, poimen of God's flock serving as overseers, episkopos. Do you see that? All three titles used of the same group of people. That's also true in Acts chapter 20, verse 17 and 18. Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders, the presbyteros of the church. And when they arrived, he said to them, Guard yourself and all of the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, episkopos, be pastors, poymen of, of the church of God. So, originally in the New Testament, all of these titles referred to the same group of leaders in the church. Now, in the centuries that followed, as the church continued to grow and expand and and spread across the world, there were layers of leadership that developed. and, And these titles became associated with different layers in the leadership of the church. Elders were those who ministered to the congregation. Pastors were those who ministered to the elders and bishops or overseers were those who ministered to the pastors but originally all of these titles referred to the same group of people now here at church of the highlands pastors are a subset of elders who are dedicated to full-time ministry so pastors are a subset of elders here at highlands now it should be pointed out that churches don't create elders or pastors or overseers god does Uh, Churches recognize the gift of leadership that is manifestly evident. So, what then is the biblical requirement for being appointed to the office of elder, pastor, overseer? 1 Timothy chapter 3. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the... What's the word there? Office. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? What's the implication there? That God's church is a family. If somebody doesn't know how to manage their own family, how can they manage God's church? Because God's church is a family. He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he might not fall into disgrace into the snare of the devil. Qualifications for an elder, uh, pastor, overseer. Notice that one of the qualifications is to be the husband of one wife. Now, unless somebody wants to redefine the word husband, and there is an effort... The word husband indicates someone of a male gender. Therefore, it is contrary to scriptural guidelines to appoint a woman to the office of pastor, elder, or bishop. I'd like to invite you now to turn to Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. You remember, as I mentioned earlier, it's really important to distinguish between the office and the gift. The gift of teaching in the New Testament is the ability to explain Scripture and to apply it to people's lives. The gift of pastoring employment is leading people, caring for them, providing for them, uh, nourishing them, protecting them. And there are many women who have these gifts, and they are an incredible blessing to the church. And they are greatly respected for their godly wisdom and maturity, stability, and love for God's people. They are truly the treasures of the church. Now, oftentimes, uh, there's a sort of a related question that uh, comes up. Can a woman teach a man? Can a woman teach a man? So, let's see if there is a biblical example that we can look at to see if there's an answer to this question. Can a woman teach a man? We're in Acts chapter 18. I'll bring your attention to verse 24. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the Scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he knew only about John's baptism. When Priscilla and Aquila, wife and husband, heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained, taught, the way of God even more accurately. Apollos had been thinking about going to Achaia, and and the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. They wrote to the believers in Achaia, asking them to welcome him. And when he arrived there, he proved to be of great benefit to those who, by God's grace, had believed. He refuted the Jews with powerful arguments in public debate. And using the scripture, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. Now the question is, is can a woman teach a man? And here we have in scripture the example of a great church leader, Apollos, who was taught by a woman, Priscilla. Now, some might argue that Apollos' teachers was a man-and-wife team, and and men-and-wife teaching teams are a blessing to the church. And that would be true, because it was Priscilla and Aquila. But you'll notice that, contrary to common practice, the woman's name, the wife's name, was placed first. Thus implying she may have been the primary teacher. But the bottom line is that this great church leader named Apollos was taught by Priscilla and Aquila. And as a result, he was able to move on and be of even greater benefit to the church. So I hope that answers some questions. I know there's more questions that people have. And if you want to write them on the bulletin, I'll try to look at them this week and see if there's more questions because we really want as a church to look at the scriptures and find the answers to these questions and be equipped as a church to, when somebody comes up and asks us, we can go to the scriptures and we say, this is what the scriptures say. The answer is found in the scriptures. Now there's 17 qualifications for elders that are provided for us in First Timothy chapter 3. In relationship with God, the elder needs to be a man. A uh, biblically masculine leader. He needs to be above reproach without, you know, character defects. He needs to be able to teach. He needs to be an effective Bible communicator. And, and by the way, that's not just in a large setting. It could be in a medium setting. It could be a small group setting. It could be in a home. It could be over a table with some coffee. Uh, it could be one-on-one. Teaching is, is, is it could be in any of one of those settings. But he needs to be able to teach. He must not be a new convert. He needs to be mature in his faith. But uh, the requirements are not just limited to his knowledge of the scripture. Uh, they also are in relationship to his family as well, because he needs to be the husband of one wife, or another way of putting it is a one woman man, not a womanizer. Uh, he needs to have submissive children, he needs to be successful as a father and a leader in his family, he needs to manage his, his family well. He also needs to have some qualifications in relationship to self. He needs to be sober minded, he needs to, to be mentally and emotionally stable. He needs to be self-controlled. His life needs to be identified by sound decisions. He needs to not be a drunkard, not be addicted to alcohol or drugs or those things. The only addiction we should have is to the Holy Spirit. Not a lover of money. He's financially content. He's not going to use his gifts for his own personal gain. He's just not a lover of money. And in relationship to others, he needs to be respectable. He needs to be someone who's worth following and imitating. There's no perfect examples except Jesus, but he needs to be somebody that's respectable. He needs to be hospitable, especially towards non-Christians, so he can have an opportunity to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. He needs to not be violent. In other words, he doesn't go and beat up the deacons after service, something like that. He needs to be self-controlled. He needs to be gentle. He needs to be kind and gracious and loving. He needs to not be quarrelsome. He's not divisive or contentious, it needs to be well thought of by outsiders. He needs to be respected by non-Christians as well. Now, the Apostle Peter provides guidelines for elders, leaders in the church, as well as the Apostle Paul, and they correspond. First uh, Peter chapter 5, the Apostle Paul writes, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder, so he identifies himself as an elder in the church, And a witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Shepherd. Be shepherds to the flock that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge. You know there's some pastors who think that shepherding is uh, like cattle driving? Uh, Instead of leading, as a shepherd leads sheep, they act more like a cattleman and teach their and treat their congregations more like cattle. It says, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, that's Jesus Christ, he is the chief shepherd, appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So you see, there's a correlation between the guidelines of Apostle Paul and and Apostle Peter. So, we mentioned earlier that all of the spiritual gifts were manifest in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. Saul so asked the question Did Jesus have a teaching gift? And the answer is Yes, yes. he was uh, the best. There's never been a better teacher. He was called rabbi, which meant teacher. He taught with authority, he used illustrations that people could understand. We have to explain it because we're not an agrarian society, but uh, his audience could. He used humor. You know, when he was talking about uh, looking for the speck in somebody else's eyes with a plank hanging out of your own, that was good old-fashioned Jewish humor. It's lost upon us because we want to say, well, how big was the plank? Is it, you know, that kind of, those kinds of questions. But it was, he, he had humor in his, in his speaking. That's what made him so popular. Uh, he was an incredible teacher. Now let me ask you, do you have this gift? Do you like to read through the scriptures and look for the answers? And do you get excited when somebody asks a question somewhere and you've got the answer and you want to share the answer? And, and then when they get it, when that light goes off, you can see it in their eye, you get excited that, that they got it. You, were, you had an ability to contribute to their, to their knowledge. And do you have this gift? Because if you have this gift, it's really important that your gift be exercised in the body of Christ. As I mentioned before, it may not be in front of hundreds, it might be in in front of dozens, or it might be in front of a small group, or it might be one-on-one. But it's important that every spiritual gift be active for our church to function as it was designed to function
0: and not be crippled. And we as a church have a great task before us. Mm, We certainly do. And it is only accomplished through the work of the Holy Spirit. Highlands.us, that is where you will find us online if you wish to know more about Study Verse by Verse, Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, Pastor Leighton Sheely, and to listen to this program or in its entirety, the sermon as preached earlier by Pastor Leighton. Highlands.us, visit us today, won't you? And then join us tomorrow for another broadcast of Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely.